Cobb, we should walk away from this. Hold on. If I were to do this, if, if I even could do it, I'd need a guarantee. How do I know you can deliver? You don't. But I can. So, do you want to take a leap of faith? Or become an old man filled with regret, waiting to die alone? Assembly team, Mr. Cox. Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. I'm your host, Jamie Schleicher. Notably absent today is my often ab- absent co-host, Matt McNichol. Also truant is our normally trusty tri-host, Seth Whispleway. Seth, I believe, is in his full kefia garb, taking a charcuterie board to a local city council meeting. He will be missed, but doing the Lord's work. Who we do have is our reigning league champion, our league Nostradamus, both Big D and Little D, but not yet Micro D. It's Brian Reichman. Brian, welcome back to the pod. Thank you, Jamie. It is a joy to be back on the pod. I feel good being back on the pod. I don't think my first season in the Dad Pod League could have gone much better starting with most of my hot takes from the season one podcast episode that I, or not season one episode of first episode of the podcast did so well and then took the league by storm and ended up winning. So happy to be back. I am a little disappointed that, you know, I came back hungry for round two and Matt McNichol still can't seem to put a serious team together even after he's gotten his brother to do his bidding with the McNichol brothers just colluding left and right, all sorts of trades. You know, Matt needs to do what he can do because he's such a poor fantasy football manager. But, yeah, I don't know. He really needs to step his game up. I wish it was a real rivalry between us, but he needs to really start competing before I'll call it a rivalry at this point. So taking taking a step back from the rivalry, I I think we talked about it a little bit on last week's pod. It's it's like the the Washington Commanders kind of consider themselves a rival of the Dallas Cowboys. We don't really look at them that way, or the Giants. Like really, it's it's the Cowboys and the Eagles slugging it out for the the division every year. So I I think it's fair that that you would say that that Matt's not pulling his weight in this rivalry. Maybe I'm I'm just doing that because Matt was supposed to be here tonight, and I believe the only reason he's not here is because he's asleep. So if he's not not going to come here to present the other side, I'm just going to take your side on this one. Fellow Dallas Cowboys fan, so um, I'm just here to support you. I'm the push-up bra in this situation. So I, I, I see your point here. And Matt, you know where uh, you can defend yourself. You are a co-host. So anytime you want to dispute this, this version of events, always happy to have you come back on. 
Yeah, you know, Matt not being here to defend himself is similar to a cornhole tournament that uh, my nameless wife and my son participated in this past weekend. You know, we were excited to take on Matt and his nameless wife, but I think that he just got afraid. You know, he's afraid that he was going to lose to me and have to admit to his nameless wife that, yeah, he couldn't he couldn't beat me, that there was no real rivalry and that I was the alpha and he was not. So, you know, that it's okay. But, uh, yeah, I wish that I was ahead of Matt in the standings. I do – I have scored – more points than Matt in the standings. And I think come the end of the season, the cream will rise to the top. I was really fascinated to hear about this potential face-to-face nemesis showdown in the cornhole tournament and sad to hear that those version of events didn't quite take place. Um, Do you know who ended up winning the tournament? Uh, I do not know who ended up winning the tournament, and I actually have to come clean. My nameless wife and I did not actually make it to the cornhole tournament on time. We have a newborn son, Oliver, who is four months old. We had every intention of making it to the cornhole tournament, which started at 3.30. My son decided he wanted to take a nap because we're still in the newborn wake window phase around three we ended up not getting to the cornhole tournament around until about five fifteen, and guai ming told us we were disqualified so matt was not actually afraid he did meet my son and uh, got to hold him which was which was great i didn't do any trash talking in front of my son i want to set a good example you know he needs to take the high road and not just slander his opponents when they're nowhere to be found to defend themselves like i do but yeah. Hopefully, do, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. So, you know, we're four months in and that's already my motto with my with my son, but that's okay. You know, still got time to improve. I'm sure he'll listen to these episodes one day and, and see this other side of his dad. Yeah, he'll uh he'll listen to these episodes and perform some sort of crazy vivisection as he's starting his own podcast with all of his friends one day. He will really identify the high points of our podcast, the low points, where we went astray, what was solid gold. I think Caleb's corner probably when he's doing his research will be identified as solid gold. But yeah, we'll see. 20 years from now, it'll be dad pod, dad bod pod number two. Yeah, my dad my dad's bod pod. I don't know. Something I'm excited to to see the kids exploring these deep, you know, heartfelt interviews with their with their fathers, uh, just pouring their their hearts out in this incredible forum and the uh, the amount of internal reflection and relationship building that that can do for your children. So excited for Oliver to experience that one day. Glad that you did have that uh, warm moment with your your nemesis in real life. Uh, we we like to keep things positive in our interactions in real life while playing up as much drama on the pod as possible. So glad that uh, glad glad that you guys were able to to share that warm moment and 
you destroying Matt on the digital field of play did not uh, disrupt that that moment for you guys. Yeah. No. How are how are things with you and your nemesis, Seth? Things are good. Um, you know, I'm clearly winning the Darren Waller trade right now because Darren Waller tweaked his hammy in the first quarter last week, only scored one or two points. So feels good to be winning that trade. I did beat him head to head. I'm ahead of him in the standings. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, same thing, you know, as long as I'm winning the, the digital aspect, I'm, I'm great keeping things cordial in, in person. And it was a lot of fun to visit him in Arizona, go to my first Cowboys game. Um, despite the not being able to take care of business against the lowly Arizona Cardinals, their lone win of the season came that week against Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. That but was we a did, point. we yeah. did bounce back strong against the Rams this past week, just total domination in all three phases of the game. So you know, if they had to go through that early in the season so that we can get where we want to be at the the end of the road, hopefully peaking around the playoffs, I'm okay with that if if that's what it takes. But did not get the game I was expecting. Yeah, anytime you get beat by Josh Dobbs and you have Micah Parsons, is not a good day No, in Dallas. But that's all right. You know, we... We will rise from the ashes and hopefully we'll finally make it past the divisional round this year. That that is always the dream. And Dak is still taking a, a ton of heat in the press that I don't think is deserved. So would love to see him just make all of his critics eat their words just one time, just once. Would would love that for him. I think the way he handles his business, the character as a person the endurance in his personal life of everything that that's happened there and just being a good person of character and resilient in the face of, of tragedy. I think there's a lot to admire about him as the person understand that he hasn't had the playoff success that just comes with being a Dallas Cowboy and the unwarranted level of national press and scrutiny that, that comes along with that job. But I, I think he, handles that in a very admirable way and really hoping that that personal success comes not just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but because I, I think he's one of the most fun players in the league for me to root for personally. Yeah. He's a stand up guy and yeah, I feel like he's just a good all around story. Everybody loves to root for that. So agree with you there. Speaking of our shared love of the Dallas Cowboys, we had a couple of battles on draft night in person at Steven's 40th birthday bash. I would say the one that hurt me the most was the Dallas Cowboys defense. We took the defense bidding to unprecedented heights. I I think I bowed out around seven or eight dollars and just curious. You you obviously won the bid which has turned out to be a great move. Dallas Cowboys defense, number one scoring defense in the league right now, as far as fantasy purposes, probably real life scoring as well. Deron Bland with his third pick six of the season this past week. Um, but just curious, where where would you have finally gotten scared that maybe I'm spending too much money on a defense 
because it, it didn't seem like you were going to quit anytime soon. Yeah, I'm trying to think what my strategy was at that point. I think, you know, I don't really come into any of these drafts with a strategy. Like I listen to a couple podcasts and hear bits and pieces of like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. And this Did year, any magazines at Wegmans catch your eye that you considered purchasing to help with draft strategy? No, I was... I was had a late night at work and was coming straight to Stevens and didn't want to show up empty handed because I never actually met Steven before. And so met him for the first time at his house, stopped at Wawa, bought a six pack of Coors Light, some peanut M&Ms and some Doritos, did not find any fantasy football magazines, was mm. listening to some sort of fantasy football podcast on 2x speed driving in trying to do some last minute cramming and i think what happened was i didn't spend i wasn't aggressive enough on some of the big name players and had a bunch of money sitting over at the end and i was like well i might as well spend it on a top-notch defense i think is how i ended up on spending so much money on dallas's defense i did feel very good about my purchase when they played the New York Giants and had, I don't even know, like 30 points or however many yeah, points we, they had that week one week, win. Week one, the shutout, the defensive touchdowns, oh, just a beautiful, like that alone probably justified, like that one week of production probably justified the amount of money you spent on them in the draft. I think that won me the game. I'm going to go back and, and look at my week one matchups. It did not win me the game, but they did score 37 points. That's got to be a record for defense, defensive scoring, 37 points. Yeah, we'll, we'll ask our intern to dig into that and see if he can find another example of a, a defense scoring more than 37 points, but that is an insane amount of production. Yeah, fun fact, Dak Prescott scored six points that game. And 37 is a lot more than than six. <laughs> so you got six to seven times the amount of production from your defense as your quarterback that week. Defense wins championships. So I have been... Go ahead, Jamie. What were you going to say? I, I was just going to ask, how are, how are you feeling about your team in general right now? I know you, you took care of business against Matt this past week. You got the vaunted... Dallas Cowboys defense. CeeDee Lamb also blew up this week. I don't know if the Cowboys have finally committed to, you know, doing some of these simple things that seem to work in the NFL, like running motion and, you know, creating some type of difficulty for the defense pre-snap and throwing the ball to CeeDee Lamb, your best player. Uh, they, they did that this past week to much success against the Rams. We'll see if that continues, but how, how are you feeling about the team? You know, I feel pretty good about the team, and I'll start to dabble into some of my hot takes and go as far to, as to say that I think I win the championship again this year. I feel really good about my team. Travis Etienne has been a touchdown machine this season. 
I mean, nobody really compares to CMC, but Travis Etienne ripped off like a 50-yard receiving touchdown this past weekend against the Steelers. So I've got the makings of a team that can hang 150-plus on you if it all if it all comes together. You know, I'm, I'm pretty diametrically opposed to Matt on everything just because he's my nemesis. You know, I'm very much of the mindset you buy good quality players and they will, throughout the course of a season, produce more good quality games than they will bad games. Whereas, you know, Matt really loves just to turn over his roster and, you know, bench players, get rid of them the first time they don't perform. Whereas I say, you know, I I coach my guys up, talk to them, see what's Mm -hmm. going on, see where their head's at. And usually they come out swinging the next week. Again, maybe that's just because Matt and I are arch rivals and everything we do has to be opposite. But I feel like my team, you know, winning the championship last year, they don't care that much about the regular season. doesn't mean that much. What What means a lot to them at this point is getting the hardware. So been there, done that, scored the most points in the regular season. They've had the best record in the regular season and won the championship. At this point, they're just trying to win championships. So I feel like we're, you know, resting up, going to get healthy at the right time. Yeah, win the back-to-back championships. Has that ever been done before in the Dad Pod League? I don't believe so. As we talked about on a previous episode this season, Steven is our only two-time winner. So there's only been one person that's ever repeated as champion. And I don't believe it happened in back-to-back years. So that that would be, once again, uncharted territory if you were to call your own shot again and become our first time back-to-back champion. I am curious, with winning that championship in your inaugural season, what continues to drive you and motivate you to continue seeing success in the dad bod leak. Are you looking to cement yourself as a hall of famer with, with the dynasty or, you know, are, are you satisfied with the one championship? And, you know, that's why you haven't spent any fab dollars this year. Cause you're, you're not even paying attention. You already got the hardware. You know, I am driven to win more than one championship. You know, I won last year's championship and my nameless wife who thought that fantasy football was stupid still thinks that it's stupid but was excited that I won money she immediately laid claim to all of my earnings and said well I let you play fantasy football I mean, fair point yeah you know we we argued the point um, ended up settling with her outside of court before we went to the final judge, jury, and executioner, but that's okay. I will say my nameless wife now asks me who I'm playing every week. Oh. Yeah, so she, could, could she you claims see her? she doesn't care, but secretly she does. She usually also asks if I'm winning the game, but then tells so did, me how ridiculous it is that I manage a fake football team. D- despite knowing that this could bring a financial windfall at the end of the year, still getting some, some pushback on the, the merits of fake football. Yeah. I think she's hedging her bets a little bit, but if I win 
back-to-back championships. I think she's, I think she's, she's all, all in. in. Yeah, I mean, sounds like potential co-owner down the line. Looks like she's starting to to dip her toes more into being interested, knowing what's going on. Sounds like the next step is really strategy and helping you make some of these decisions. Yeah, I think we're a couple years away from that point. You know, she still has to learn the rules of the game. She still thinks Bill Belichick is the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Can't tell you where that's coming from, but she yep, tells that's me never every been week, the case. Yeah, she tells me every week, Bill Belichick, he's the coach of the Cowboys, right? I'm like, no, he's not. It's the Patriots. Bill Parcells was at one point in time, so we have had some some Bills. Yeah. Not not Belichick though. But I will say the engagement level with NFL football in the Reichman household has increased at least three X this year after winning the championship last season. That's awesome. We we love to hear it. Love to see the game grow. Has Taylor Swift had any impact on your nameless wife's interest in in the sport of football at all? Or has she been pretty pretty outside of that? I know Matt's nameless wife said uh, she she's also in the nursing field going to school right now. And she said her talks at the hospital and the office have been more around uh, the Jonas Brothers and Sophie Turner. So curious if, if that's had any impact on your nameless wife's level of interest in the game. No, I don't think so. She she hasn't been back to work yet. She's still on maternity leave. Goes back to work this weekend for the first time since Oliver was born. So I'll... I'll have to hear what all the younger younger generation are talking about. But, yeah, I would say my nameless wife is not that big of a Taylor Swift fan. I would say our own Travis Piquel is a much bigger Taylor Swift fan. I mean, he is one of the biggest Swifties I know, so that's that's completely fair. Did want to ask you about your – you you mentioned your championship season – there was a little bit of a roller coaster just in the way that last season played out with DeMar Hamlin of the Bills going into cardiac arrest on the field, the Bills game getting suspended, us trying to figure out what do we do? This is championship week of our fantasy football game. Do we just, you know, whatever happened, happened, and the final scores are what they are. We ended up kind of coming to this resolution after much debate in the league of like how we should handle this, what we should do of allowing the bills and Bengals players scores from the next week, because they both had a reason to play and play their best players, try to win the game that we would take those scores from the following week and retroactively add them to the scores from the previous week and have that, that full roster to allow some parity there. But as one of the two people, in the finals, watching this unfold in real time and and spreading that anxiety across two weeks. Tell us about what that emotional roller coaster was like for you during that process. Yeah. So thinking back, so it was a Monday night. I think it was a Monday night game initially between the Bengals and the bills that got canceled. I had convinced my nameless wife that we needed to watch it because the championship was on the line and we had 
I think we had just turned it on and it was the most, one of the most bizarre scenes I've ever seen on a national football league game where nobody was playing. The announcers didn't really know what to talk about. And both teams were just kind of huddled on the sideline. So that was a, yeah, a, a pretty big moment just of, you know, brought into perspective that football is a game, fantasy football is a game of a game, and that, you know, real people are out there mm-hmm. and there can be very serious consequences. So there's a little bit to unpack there. But, yeah, glad that um, Hamlin was able to recover on the other side. And so, yeah, definitely hats off to the commissioner for guiding our league through some turmoil and controversy and deciding on a route of action and being decisive on how the game was going to be played out. And then that Sunday, I was actually snowboarding up uh, at Massanutten and was only really like checking the scores occasionally on the lift. So I wasn't really keeping track of where the game was at until I had wrapped up snowboarding for the day. So, you know, I, I trusted my guys and win or lose at that point, I had considered the season a success coming in, you know, to the vaunted dad bod league and, you know, wanting to perform and hang with the heavyweights of fantasy football. I felt like by at least making it to the championship game, I did that and winning a championship would just be the cherry on top. And then what was it like to go through the panoply of emotions and then see that moment, the scores are finalized. You are a champion immortalized in dad, dad bot history that, you know, Brian Reichman, Rookie of the Year and Champion. Yeah, it was a bit surreal. I would say that moment probably ranks number three in my life. Number one being the birth of my son. Number two being my marriage to my nameless wife. And then number three, winning the Dad Bod Championship. You know, maybe... And the then- cha- yeah, I think that I think that's right. One, two, and three. Yeah, one, two, and three. And then just to add a little more context for our our listeners, what would you say is number four? So they can kind of like a, obviously that's number three behind those top two, but like what what's number four for you? So that we kind of get a sense of what it's right above. Yeah, so number four for me, you know, I would say would be um Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think. Number four, life accomplishment. Um, probably beating Sean Greer in a foot race during an F3 workout. It's one of the reasons why I earned the nickname Gravy Seal. And I'm glad you brought that up. Your son, Oliver, somewhere between four and five months old. I won't ask for exact days. Don't want to put you on the spot there. But what has becoming a dad done to your bod? And how's how's our favorite gravy seal doing when it comes will, to the, the workout side of things? Yeah, I will I will tell you 
there it's a lot harder to work out consistently when you have a child you're not sleeping as well as you used to you have added responsibilities so it's not just you and your nameless wife anymore you know there's just a little tiny human being that literally can't do anything for himself so i understand how or why the dad bod is a thing but I'm actively fighting against it to be determined how successful my strategy has been. Yeah. Have there ever been some times where you didn't want to work out, but you're like, damn it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. And I'm not, I'm not going down like this. I'm too young to have the full dad bod. Yeah. There's definitely been some times where, I was probably had too little sleep, should have just taken a nap and decided to work out anyway, mainly in preparation for the 2024 dad bod combine, if I'm being honest with myself. Can't take and a day we were, off. Yeah, we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. I always make the mistake of blabbering on way too long before I, I remember to hit the record button, but you had mentioned a potential 10 page proposal. Would you like to give us a little teaser of that? Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking our league doesn't really have punishments other than the rename, which I do have a rename to announce and we'll do so shortly. But I was thinking that the loser of the league should be required to organize and to host a dad bod combine with at least 75% attendance and at least 10 different feats of athleticism. This is incredible. I, I'm a notorious for my love of reading, but this is one 10 page proposal that I can't wait to get my hands on. I think it would be a great addition to the league and we've talked about the dad bod combine so much it's come up a lot of times on the pod this season i think 2024 could be the year it happens and i think your 10 page proposal this piece of legislation if we can somehow gerrymander the districts to get the votes correct then i i think 2024 could be the season we stop talking about it and we start being about it yeah I would say so. I think there's a good chance. I've been thinking about my headings and subheadings for the 10-page proposal, and that should be on the commissioner's desk by the end of the season, I would say. Okay. I, th I thought you might give a, a hard deadline there of like November, <laughs> November 18th at one point in time, and then it seems like you hedged at the very last second and said end of the season, but we'll count it. <laughs> we'll take it, and I'm looking forward to it. Any pieces of advice or recommendations you have, just knowing your level of training and athleticism that you would give to people, um, you know, like don't get herpes, drink water, you know, what, what types of things should people start doing knowing that this piece of legislation is forthcoming? Yeah, so I'll tell you, herpes will definitely – sets you back. If you get it, you're going to be down a couple weeks on your training regimen. But you know, what I would say is it's all about, you got to stretch 
most of us are a little bit getting on up there in age. Stretching is very, very important. There's huge downside if you don't stretch. And it's just consistency. You know, you got to be dedicated to the game, dedicated to the dad dad bod league, dedicated to your combine training. And yeah, you can't show up one day a week and think you're going to be ready. It's a seven day a week, 365 days a year training regimen. That's what produces results. Start tracking those macros, get the diet right, vitamins, stretch, and interested to see what these events will be because I'm assuming there's going to be some specialized training for these events that that would help people involved. But I'm I'm excited for it, and I I think it's one of those things that just really needs to happen and and can happen soon. Yeah, you you also teed up the rename, and you know let's let me, let me give you a little little uh, setup here. But then let, let's hear this rename. That was a great setup. So after much consideration, Michael Ben's team will now be called Barf Salona. And the avatar will be forthcoming tomorrow. So, you know, by 8 a.m. tomorrow, Ben's name better be Barf Salona. And I expect that it'll be Barcelona for quite some time. I think Benz is going to go on a significant losing streak, maybe five, six, or seven games, uh, potentially not winning another game the rest of the year. So could be his name going into the 2024 season. We'll see. Wow. And Brian has a, a reputation as being the league Nostradamus. So could be rough days ahead for Michael Benz if his prediction prowess stands as strong this year as it did last year. Time will tell. I'm not I'm not saying that's a completely certain outcome. I just know that you hit your predictions at an unnatural rate last year. And Benz is Benz is in for some hard times ahead if you're as accurate this year. Also want to ask you about our two newcomers this season. Last year, you and Eric meet in the finals, finish one and two, very strong rookie performances. Eric, as we've mentioned before, was a returner. So, you know, I'll let other people determine rookie status, but he was a newcomer to the league last last year in the sense that he was returning. This year, our two newcomers, John and Jesse, not seeing the same level of success that you and Eric saw last season, both very much in danger of completely missing out on the playoffs, not even giving themselves a shot to get to the championship. What do you think has gone wrong for them that they weren't able to replicate the success that you and Eric saw last year? You know, I don't think that they did their preparation pre-draft. I think Jesse listened to Matt, and we all know how poor of a manager Matt is. I think he was kind of doomed from the beginning. The McNichol line is, yeah, they're just not great at managing fake football teams. And I think that's all there really is to say about Jesse's downfall. John, I couldn't really put my finger on it. I'm looking at his you know, his team and his stats now. Um, 
yeah, he hasn't scored a ton of points this year, and so I think he just didn't go for enough top end guys. You know, you've mm-hmm. really got to get some some big stars that can pop off for thirty or forty points a couple weeks in the year when some of your other guys just aren't hitting. And so, yeah, I, I feel like John doesn't have any guys that can really truly take over a game. You need to have at least one or two players that can lead your team to victory if all else fails. And I feel like he doesn't have that. Could be cursed by the curse of Jameer Gibbs, traded away Jameer Gibbs, traded away A.J. Brown, who has gone on to become kind of that elite guy with that just massive ceiling that you need to win, especially in those high leverage weeks of the playoffs. So I, I could see that being, being the the crucial issue for him right now as well. Just not having the, the high end guys and coming out of the draft with them. So interesting. We'll see if he's able to turn it around Um, him and, uh, Jesse have a, a big matchup this week. Excited to see those those newcomers battle it out. And then do you want to get your thoughts? So you have a very public nemesisery rivalry with one McNichol brother. Another McNichol brother comes into the league this season. Does your rivalry extend throughout the bloodline or is uh, Jesse kind of um, a completely separate entity from your thoughts and kind of has to be seen whether or not the grudge is going to extend to the entire McNichol clan? You know, I would say until your true crime podcast is released and we've established that Matt and Jesse are in fact two separate people, I would say that I do have a rivalry with both the manager for Team Roar and Matt McNichol. I would say it's a rivalry with both. And, you know, I beat them in back-to-back weeks, which and I beat them both handily. So I think that's a piece of evidence that they're not two separate people. It really is Matt putting up mm. a front to try and finagle his way to a fake league championship. Interesting. So would you say you experience a certain level of schadenfreude enjoying the misfortunes that Jesse, AKA maybe Matt has experienced this year as team roar? You know, I never delight in somebody's misfortunes unless their last name is McNichol. Hmm. Good to know. And then you also mentioned a a true crime spin-off series. So it sounds like you're you're waiting for this as well. This was commissioned by our executive editor and commissioner wanting to get to the bottom of that. So let me just uh give give a little promo here for Collusion, a dad bod true crime podcast looking into Jesse McNichol and Matt McNichol, two brothers, the same person, a proxy state. Did ambition take them too far and cross that boundary from competition to collusion? A dad bod true crime podcast.
I would definitely listen to that. I would binge the whole whole series. It's there. There's a fifty fifty chance it happens, and as as I've talked about before, I'm committed to a bit. Even if we have to get the constabulary involved, there's arrests made at the end of this. Am I a little scared of where this investigation will go? The number of expert witnesses I'll have to talk to, the ugly truths that I'll uncover completely unrelated to the case along the way. Uh, there's there's just no telling where this somewhat scripted, somewhat um, unknown investigation can go, but um, I, it might need to happen. Yeah. Who, who would be your co-host for the spinoff? So I, I don't know if I would have a co-host. I think I might need full creative control of this. There would be a lot of guest spots and, like I said, expert witnesses, talking to members of the league, getting different perspectives, and uh, really, really digging into this. So, But I, I think for it to be pulled off the way it needs to be pulled off, there would need to be that auteur vision of this is this is the product and needing to to have full creative control over the the direction there and then of course working collaboratively with our uh, amazing editor zach and and making sure that we we bring something that's of the quality that our our audience expects yeah you know if you are able to get on it you know today is Halloween, I went to trick-or-treating on the lawn at the University of Virginia. And, you know, if you get on it and this podcast blows up, there could be people this time next year dressing up like the McNichol brothers because Mm. this true crime podcast has gotten so big. It's, It's a big market, and I think it would be key to our expansion and five-year plan towards monetization of the dad bod league. So this is, this is great points. And I'm a huge fan of dressing up for Halloween. I've been participating in costume contests at my place of work for the past eight years. And, uh, I think some McNichol brother costumes next year would be incredible. What did Oliver go to the, the lawn as this year? So, Oliver wore gray sweatpants, a gray sweatshirt, and a yellow headband, and we called him a bodybuilder. Oh, and okay. I also wore gray sweatpants, a gray sweatshirt, and a yellow headband because that was the most cost-effective costume for a four-and-a-half-month-old. I will say there are a lot of people with way too much time on their hands that make very elaborate Halloween costumes. I am not one of those people, but I do love to trick or treat. I do love, I am excited, you know, as, as an adult, I haven't been able to trick or treat for a couple decades, but sure. In a few short years, I will be able to trick or treat again with Oliver. So very, very excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. My team dressed up as the cast of Jury Duty. Not sure if you saw that show. Uh, Amazon Freebie original. But the the basic concept is there's a guy who thinks he's participating in, 
in a documentary about the jury process and you know what they go through and it turns out everybody else involved in this documentary is an actor basically playing a prank on him none of it's real he's the only person that doesn't know so it was it was an entertaining show uh, especially if you enjoy more of that like scripted unscripted hybrid and uh I, it was a fun one so that's that's what my team did this year and uh did get to go out trick-or-treating with my my nieces and nephew for a little bit and see them running around which was which was a lot of fun but enjoyable time of year we do have one popular segment from last year on halloween trick-or-treat which i want to hit before we we let you go here and hopefully get our uh viewers a, a short episode but who is one player from the first season that you think that their performance was a trick they performed really well but they're going to let their their manager down in the second half of the season and then who is one player that you think is a treat maybe on your team that didn't quite live up to expectations but could could become that rocket ship that league winner for you ooh so i've been thinking about this i think my treat has truly been Travis Etienne. He mm, yeah. has great choice. Had an incredible season. I knew he could be good, but he has been unbelievable all season. In terms of my treat, Kenneth Walker for the Seattle Seahawks has had some big games. I'm not sure that I believe in that being sustainable for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. Two, two great choices and we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. I'll also throw out a uh, Darren Waller, I think as mine for both of these, I, I could see him serving both of these roles for Seth and hoping it's a trick, but it could be a treat. So we'll, we'll see, but Seth pulled off, Big trade this past week, got his Osaquan Can You See on, brings Saquon Barkley back into the fold. He's rocking with the Giants right now, so aligning his fantasy and real-life interests there. Then we also had a tight end trade today. Uh, Travis sends Evan Ingram to Eric for Dallas Goddard. Um, Travis rostering two tight ends this whole season and then finally realizing that they both have the same bye week. So diversified there. But the the trade market is heating up. Brian, do you see yourself making any any big trades this year? You know, Matt and I talked about a trade during the cornhole tournament on Saturday. Whoa. This and is this is why we have the pod to break news like this. Yeah. I don't recall exactly the offer that I made, Matt, but you know I was pretty firm of this was all I was going to give up, and Matt walked away, and I was okay with that. Fair, but maybe maybe there's moves on the horizon for Big D, Little D, Micro D before the trade deadline. We'll we'll all have to wait to see what happens there. Last question for you: Matchup of the week. What, what games are you looking at? Last week's matchup of the week, me versus uh, Zach did not go the way I was hoping for. Lost by 20. Did not get renamed, though, so there's that. Uh, Kirk Cousins tours Achilles. 
So Zach no longer has his fearsome Kirk Hawk stack, but did did come out with the W. He now has sole possession of first place on the points for tiebreaker. I'm sitting in second, Seth in third, Matt in fourth, Travis in fifth, Eric in sixth, little D in seventh, right there on the cusp of playoff contention. Jesse in eighth, Michael Bins ninth, John in 10th, Steven in 11th, Sean bringing up at the rear in 12th. Who, who do you got this week? What are you looking at? You know, I think it's you and Eric. Eric has scored a lot of points this year. And, you know, the Yahoo projections, which are typically so accurate, are only, you guys are only 10 points apart. But I have to imagine Patrick Mahomes might score 60 points this week with his poor showing last week. Lamar Jackson always has the opportunity to go off and score a ton of points as a running quarterback. So, you know, I could see your and Eric's matchup easily going both scoring 130 plus this week. We will see. Hopefully Patrick Mahomes has the man flu again and can stay in the single digits as a new resident of Colorado. Uh, big win for the Broncos this past week that nobody saw coming. And first time in like nine years that the Broncos beat the Chiefs. So I, I don't know if I can hope for quite that level of performance from Patrick Mahomes again. But, you know, if Taylor Swift stays out of the stadium and he has the man flu, I, I might get lucky there again. But, yeah, interesting one there for me. Uh, really interested in this Seth and Matt rematch. We'll see if, if Seth, um, no, we'll, we'll see if Matt keeps the name. I fear Seth long and hard. Um, and he's actually matched up against Zach. So sorry, the, the team names throw me off here, but Matt and Zach, uh, a fun one of those number one, number four, some big playoff positioning and seating implications on the line there. So uh, interested to see how that one goes. Well, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up, having you on the pod again. Is there anything that you want to cover before uh, we call it a night here? I think we covered most of most of the happenings in the league. I feel good about this episode. And it's under an hour, so Zach feels great about this episode. And if you don't feel great about this episode, you can go fall in a well.